you, gentlemen. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19 and stand with me this morning. As we complete, Lord willing, our uh, mini-series on trauma in the life of the believer, I had a guest this morning come into my office and pretty much kick the door open. And uh, I'll tell y'all, it was Amanda Braddock. I just love it when she... Well, when she comes in my room, I just love it. She kicked the door and she goes, I'm Lazarus. How many here for last week? Lazarus 2.0. And you know, some people will say, I identified with the sermon and they're all dignified. She goes, no, 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 no. You didn't understand. I'm Lazarus. I'm him. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was emotionally dead. I was relationally dead. There was no expectation. There was no hope. I was buried. And Jesus not only forgave me of my sins, but he gave me life. And then she did that cackle she does, you know, and just cackled. She goes, I'm him. And you know what? You are too. And you ought to bless the Lord for his goodness in your life. Amen. Yeah. I think because all of us have experienced trauma, I think I want to be known not by what they did to me, but by what Christ did for me and for me. All right, got me preaching before I preach. 1 Kings 19, beginning with 1, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he'd slain the prophets by the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, you can mark that in your Bible, he was afraid and fled for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head, which was not there just a moment before. And he did eat and drink, and he laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him. Aren't you glad for the second touch? And he said, arise and eat. And here's my anchor verse. Because the journey is too great for you. Well, the Lord won't put more on you than you can bear. That ain't in no Bible. Life, the enemy, and the Lord will allow more to be on you than you can bear so that you will realize your strength does not come from your will and your giftings and your tenacity, but my help cometh from the Lord. Amen. So he arose, did eat and drink, and he went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came to a cave and he lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down your altars, and slain your prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. 
And God said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire, a still, small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and stood in the entering of the cave. And there came a voice and said unto him, here it is again, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and slain your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go back, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abimelech, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet, Elijah, I have 7,000 in Israel which have not bowed their knee to Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Very quickly before you're seated, the journey is too great for you. That word great means it's too long. It's too abundant. It's too much. It's too constant. Could it be that the journey you are on is to introduce you to your weakness and God's supply and God's strength. The scriptures declare that God's power has given unto you everything already that you need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that called you unto glory and virtue and God's grace is sufficient for you. Where you are, as you are, like you are, if you have God's grace, you have all you need for today. I want to speak to you this morning by God's grace on the subject, the journey is too great for you, but it's not your journey. God's got you. So let's, let's pray. If you'll pray for me as I pray for myself. Lord, I just humble myself before you. Uh, you know my downsitting and my uprising, and I'm an unprofitable servant at best, but I offer you my life and my uh, I offer you myself this morning. Just use me, Lord, for your glory. Let me speak with an, a clarity and anointing that would bring the Word of God alive to us. Let us see ourselves in the Scripture more clearly and see God in the Scripture preeminently that we might forever be changed. Bring us into the place of full surrender and absolute trust. In your Son's name I pray. And God's people said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. See, that's why I get water. Y'all get to sit down. I don't get to sit down, so I need water. If you love me, y'all put some Diet Dew in here or something with a little, a little kick in it. Have you ever been in a place where you know the Scripture says His grace is sufficient, but you don't believe it is? And one of the reasons we don't believe His grace is sufficient it's because we mix up our own concoction of our effort and His grace. 
But when you come to the end of yourself and you say, I cannot, He will. He will not share His glory with you. He is not going to share the glory of His deliverance with you. He's not going to share the glory of your salvation with you. It is Him. It originates with Him. It continues by Him. And it culminates in Him. You need to be aware that there are going to be days, seasons, and years where life is too hard. That is not weakness. That's having common sense. And in those times, I love what Jason said, you lean into who God is. You desperately and fully surrender to Him. I've got some advice for you this morning, just as a pastor who's dealt with your stories for 29 years now, if you can believe it, 29 years. Um, and I've heard the victorious stories, and I've heard the ones of shipwrecked faith and capsized faith. And I just submit this to you. Those that turn away, it's not the Lord's fault. Those that trust in the Lord shall not be ashamed. Because God is faithful and He'll perform that which He called, called you to and, and bringing you into. So I want to talk to you just a few moments on some of the things that you need to, to, to remember and to know uh, during these seasons of, of trauma. Number one, be careful of cumulative stress. Some of you ought to write these down. If you don't need them today, just trust me, baby. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll help down the line. And this is one of those that I have people write me and they'll say, I hadn't thought of that before. I haven't thought of that before. When, when, when Jezebel sent the message to him, by this time tomorrow... You're going to be dead like the Baalite prophets. Well, just the day before, there were 850 Baalite prophets with knives, cutting themselves, dancing around, trying to get Baal to send fire to the sacrifice. He wasn't scared then. So if 850 Baalite prophets with knives and swords didn't scare him, and they were right beside him, right? How could the threat of this woman, I'm going to send one of those that y'all, you know, one of those like the people you just slaughtered to kill you. How could that scare him? It was one more disappointment. See, cumulative stress, it's not the size of the thing that's the tipping point. It's the brook that dried up. It's the alienation. It's the loneliness. It's the living at the widow's house. It's the not having possessions. It's the being ostracized and hated by all of Israel during the drought. You're the troubler of Israel. And then he gets here and he builds this sacrifice. And the fire falls that they might know that there's a God in Israel. And in his mind he's thinking revival's going to come to the land. And no sooner than the fire comes from heaven, consumes it, all the prophets are killed. She says, by this time tomorrow, you're going to die. It was only one threat. So 850 people with knives didn't scare him. But the threat of sending somebody to kill him did. Listen to your pastor. Sometimes it's not what happens but when it happens, that makes all the difference. 
So be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Know that your adversary, we're not ignorant of his devices. He'll wait and put the last bit of disappointment, the last bit of discouragement, and then trick you and said, well, see, if I had any faith at all, I wouldn't be struggling here. Instead of looking at it and said, that's just one threat. You know what? You know why I'm feeling this overwhelmed? Because I've been going through a lot. And cumulative stress, instead of running away from Jezebel, ought to make you run to Jesus. Instead of running from Jezebel, run to Jesus. It's only one threat. We who experience the mighty hand of God are often surprised when we see the hand of the enemy. We feel that when God elevates us, we're now out of reach from our enemies and those who hate us. Elijah had unrealistic and unrealized expectation. He thought Mount Carmel was going to change everything. And we thought, uh, sorry to go here, but you thought getting married was going to change everything. And not only did it not change it, they brought their stuff with them. And he, you can laugh, he brought his stuff and she brought her stuff. And we just thought if we had a baby, it would change everything. Oh, it changed everything, all right. Now you got the same issues, the same crazy spouse, and no sleep. Oh, it changed everything. We often misinterpret the closing of a chapter as the closing of a book. In times of victory, we might let our guard down and we're susceptible to bad news, threats, and evil reports. As long as you live, listen to old Pastor John, life will be unpredictable, but God will be faithful. And when you're blindsided, know this, that light and darkness are the same to God. You know why I love that verse? Early on in my faith, I used to think, and I'd even preach that God sees in the dark. That ain't what it says. It says that light and darkness are the same to him. My Lord and my God. So Lord, you mean that when all the lights are off, it's the same to you as when all the lights are on. Yes. So when all the lights go off in my life, I don't need to start squinting. I just need to reach for your hand and know that my shepherd will guide me. Number two, be careful. When the journey is too great, be careful not to give in to fear. He said Elijah was afraid and fled. First of all, that's just... Elijah was afraid and fled. How is it that we can, in the greatest area of our strength, make the biggest mistakes? David is a man after God's own heart and kills a man to take his wife. Moses is the meekest man on earth and he smites the rock, the symbol of Jesus Christ in the wilderness over and over, which symbolized Jesus dying over and over. And here's Elijah, bold. He, Elijah was bad. He, he would walk up to the king, and the king has the power, you know, to just to destroy and kill you in a moment. And he walked up to him, and the, uh, the king had been looking for him, and it was kind of like, he says, surprise. And he says, you're the trouble of Israel. He said, I'm not the trouble of Israel. You are, you depraved, wicked, reprobate. He, he and Apostle Paul were bad. They just weren't embarrassed. They weren't scared. They didn't, they, it didn't matter what was going on. There was a boldness there. You know the devil is tricking you when your strength becomes your weakness. 
Those of you that used to be confident, now you're worrying. Those of you that used to pray first, now you call your friend first. Uh-oh, I hit something then, didn't I? Those of you that used to be worshipful and now you're silent. Be careful not to give in to fear. We give in to fear when outward voices are louder than inward ones. We give in to fear when we lose sight of God, His nearness, His promises, His power and His faithfulness. He had always been bold. Even in the addressing of the king, now he runs. Have you forgot the verse this morning? Isaiah 43 said, Fear not, I am with you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither shall the smell of smoke kindle upon you. Can I just tell you one of the things the Lord's done in my heart over the years and one of the perspectives I have? I see that there's, there's the fruit of the Spirit that the Spirit does. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, self-control. But confidence is my choice. Confidence in God is my choice. I don't want to give the enemy satisfaction in thinking that I doubt the character of God. I may be immature and I may be self-centered at times and I may be ignorant and arrogant. But the Lord is faithful and I will fear no thing. No one, no thing, because if God be for me, who and what can ever be against me? And if you believed God was with you every moment of every day, what would you ever be afraid of? Our problem is not the threat of Jezebel. Our problem is we don't believe. No fear. Cast not, therefore, away your confidence, because it has great recompense unto the reward. And the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth just to show himself strong to the one whose heart is perfect before him. When I walk with the, little, when I walk with the Lord, I don't walk often. How can I word this more accurately? When it's necessary, when it's time, I don't walk with the Lord as a man. I walk with the Lord as a boy. You're my dad. You're, you're my father. You're my father. I need you. I need you. you all I got. I need you. You're my protector. You're my provider. You're my source. You're my help. You're my hope. You're my strength. All my eggs are in your basket. You're it for me. And if me being a, a, a finite, a limited man would 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 do anything to protect my children. What kind of protection must I have if God Almighty has purchased me with the blood of His Son? Can someone say amen this morning? Be careful not to give in to fear because fear is an accusation against God. I have to fear because God might not be who He said He is. I have to fear because God might not be faithful. God might not be enough. You living afraid is the same thing as going into the throne room of God, grabbing him by the collar and pulling him towards you and saying, I have to be afraid because you're not trustworthy.
and pushing him back. I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What does it look like in the spiritual realm when the devil has knocked a believer down and has his foot on their throat and he's stripped them of, of ability and capacity and resources and he's attacked them with sickness and they, they're, they're sitting there trying hard to breathe and the devil said, what you going to say now? He said, I still believe him. I still trust him. Number three. When the journey is too great, don't take upon yourself the weight of personal preservation. I know this sounds simple, but some of us simply miss it. It said, he fled for his life. Listen very carefully to your pastor this morning. It's God who takes the responsibility for my salvation. It is God who imparted my righteousness. It is God that originates and facilitates my transformation. It is God who is intentional in my provision. It is God who goes before me and grants me my guidance. It is God that protects me and God is my preservation. I don't have to preserve that which he's given me. I am a good steward and I trust. And if you live long enough... You'll have abundance and you'll have lack. You'll be strong and then you'll be weak. Nothing in life is stable but God. And he will not fail you. It is, listen to this statement. There's so much of this, I'm just talking to you out of my soul this morning. It's not really an orchestrated sermon. It is he that has the investment in me, not my investment in him. I was not redeemed with the blood of bulls and goats. But with the precious blood of the Son of God, He bought me. Okay, you go to list your house. George, we go to list our house and the inspector, I mean, the appraiser comes out and said, okay, your house is $350,000. And you go, okay, well, we'll list it at three fifty-five dollars and hope that they'll give us a little more. And someone comes in and there's a bidding war and they said, I'll give you 600000 for it. Sold! That's what us men would say. The woman would be like, oh, let's, let's think about it. And the man said, we net 300000 Sold! The question ought to be not what did the house sell for, but who bought it and why. And the man, they said, why would you buy that house? It's not, it's not worth that. He said, that house is precious to me. I was born there. My grandmother was born there. See, you measure value by square feet. I measure it by what it means to me. And Mike, people like you and I, throwaways, he purchased with the blood of his son. My value doesn't come, uh, uh, doesn't dissipate in who walked away. It's who stepped into my life and redeemed me and purchased me. That's where my God confidence comes in. And if he paid that much for me, don't you think he's going to keep me? You missed a great place to shout. If he paid that much for me, don't you think he's going to keep me? 
said, what are you going to do, Pastor John? What are you going to do? I'm going to bed. How do you sleep with all that going on, with a fan on? How does any man overweight sleep with a fan on? Got some wind blowing. He is the king, and I just live in the kingdom. He's my father, and I live in his house. He's my God, and I'm the one who looks to him for the gift of life and the sustaining of the same. The Lord is my keeper and the shade upon my right hand. The sun's not going to smite me by day nor the moon by night. The Lord's going to preserve me from all evil and preserve my soul. Did you not know that the Lord preserves my going out and my coming in from this day forward and forevermore? I'm not responsible for the preserving. I'm responsible not to waste the substance. My days, my opportunities, I'm not to waste my life. But the preserving, that's up to him. That's why Abraham and Lot... When, when the, they were so blessed that there wasn't enough grass for their cattle and goats and everything, Abraham says, you pick. Well, Abraham, you're not real good at business. And Lot looked and chose for himself the well-watered uh, valley of Sodom and the neighboring cities. And the Bible says it was like the Garden of Eden. He said, Abraham, why didn't you pick first? He said, because he don't know the Lord. And what I know is I don't have to pick or preserve because if the Lord wants me to have it, I'm going to have it. <laughs> and if I lose it, he's going to give it back. And I'm not into preserving. I'm into trusting. You see? He said, go ahead and pick Lot. And by the way, don't judge someone by where they are right now. Lot looked like he was smart for a while. Let, let time work out. Let you step across the portal of heaven and look at what you have by trusting in the Lord and you're rewarded for every cup of cold water given in his name. You just follow. And don't worry about preservation. I am kept by the power of God through faith. I, I know this may sound morbid to you, um, but I think about my home going a lot. When that day comes, I want my family to be there. I want them to see on my countenance my expectation and my hope. I want to pull my feet up in the bed and with a smile say, home, I'm coming home, I'm coming home. I want them to know that, that, that my faith did not rest upon who I am but what God did. There's a security there. There's an expectation there. There's a hope there. We're to be lively stones. Lively. Trusting in the Lord. Don't worry about preserving yourself. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be his name. And if you need it, he's going to supply it. Don't worry about what somebody thinks. Well, what's going on? It seems like you're, you're moving south uh, socioeconomically. What does it matter to me? I've lived in the poor house. I was blessed. I live in the penthouse. I'm blessed. I've lived in between. I've been sick. I'm blessed. I've been healthy. I've been blessed. God is faithful. God is faithful. All right, very quickly, running out of time. Number four, don't fall into the trap of alienating yourselves from those of like precious faith. Look at verse three. Keep your Bible open. He came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and he left his servant there. 
It wasn't just that he needed some time, but he decided to do it alone. Don't lose sight of the fact that the one he left in Beersheba was his closest relationship. He alienated himself from good counsel, encouragement, godly perspective, and accountability. He became inactive without being released. He came a day's journey into the wilderness and sat down under a juniper tree. You know what we do when we struggle, when we're traumatized, when accumulative stress has wiped us out and we're depleted? We just, we hide and then we act like we're not hiding, which is more obvious than the hiding. No, I, I, how are you, man? Uh, I'm okay, I'm okay. And you're on life support. I mean, you could just die any minute. Your countenance is dark. Your eyes are dark. You ain't sleeping. You ain't eating. Ain't seen you at church since the Korean War. I'm good. I'm good. Why pull away from the sap that flows in the body of Christ? The sap of God's spirit. See, we are joined together. And when you're not doing good, I can take your hand and say, let me pray for you. And that, that sap that flows. Don't fall into the trap of alienating yourself for, with those of like precious faith. Now, when you're struggling, don't take disease folk with you. And people that, you know, my uncle got that and he died. Well, thank you very much. Sister, <laughs> Sister Death, I appreciate that very much. Some people you just got to say, I'll call you Tuesday. I'll call you later. Number five, don't forget to remember and rehearse God's past blessings and power. When she threatened him, why, why didn't he just say, what about the brook Cherith when everyone else was experiencing drought? What about the ravens feeding me there when everyone else was in famine? Just real quickly, so Elisha's at this brook, there's no water anywhere, and there's a fresh brook trickling by his feet, and ravens are bringing my boy fresh meat. Now, a raven, from which we get the word ravenous, is the bird that would jump on the dead carcass and rip it apart because they, they have to have the meat, like flying piranhas is what it's like. Do you see the tongue-in-cheek First of God's glory for those that can see it. The most ravenous animal. He said, I'm going to get him to bring it to you. Why couldn't he get like a little Winnie the Pooh to bring it to him? Or a, a, little, a, little, you know, a little baby doe and, and drop it. He said, watch, watch. I want to show you how in control I am, Elijah. And here comes this raven. And, you know, if they could talk. You know, like some of us, if, if, if people could read our thoughts, we wouldn't have a lot of friends. Uh, but don't you know that raven, if all of a sudden he could talk like Balaam's donkey, he had this, had this chunk of fresh meat that Elijah's going to grill on the rocks there at the brook. He goes, is all I could do to bring this to you, bro. I was, I was struggling. I just, this, is, this is prime cut here. I, just, I was hungry, but... but the Lord, the Lord told me to bring this to you. You know why we go from struggling to failure? Because we forget what he did for us yesterday. 
No, you're not going to preach with me today. You're not going to help me. You've forgotten what he did and how he did it and when he did it. And with the power of his strong right arm, he brought you back. He restored your soul. He forgave you of your sins. He did the miraculous. And if you'll remember what he did yesterday, you'll have faith for your today. So Jezebel is threatening me when I walk with God Almighty? Who is Jezebel? That's, that's, I, I want to be that guy. I'm not looking for trouble, but when the devil pops up and you're Jezebel, I'll have you dead by the mark. Go for it. Go for it, Jezebel. And you ain't fooling nobody with that wig and braids either. That's not your hair. Go for it. Go for it. Well, Pastor John, that's just sarcastic. No, read your Bible. Uh, Elijah and the men of God would taunt when... when when the 850 Balak prophets were cutting themselves, they did like a seven-hour dance trying to get God to send fire. Elijah, Elijah's bad. He goes, hey, is your God asleep? Is he using the restroom? Look in the original Hebrew. That's what he said. Is he indisposed? Is your God busy? Just mocking him. Why? He had confidence. How could he go from that to running for his life? He forgot what God had done for him already. Some of us in the middle of it just need to rehearse what's behind us and let the confidence strengthen. When you forget where God has brought you from, you're susceptible to be taken anywhere. If our musician would come, please. Okay, guys, not only guard your heart, when you've been traumatized, when you've experienced great hurt or loss or abuse or neglect, not only guard your heart, but the words of your mouth. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He spoke of giving up. He said, it is enough. He spoke of dying. Take away my life. He spoke in comparisons. I'm no better than my father's. He exaggerated, and I'm the only one left. If the power of life and death is found in the tongue, then his words were killing him. Usually, we have one or two people that we vent to. And sadly, what we say to them is often a truer reflection of who we are. Well, Pastor John... What's supposed to flow from me? Honest, wounded faith. Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. I, but God, I trust you completely. I trust you wholly. You're it for me. You're, all my trust is in you. And finally, when the journey is too great, remember that God will visit you. At the juniper trees of your life, he will come to you. There's no record of Elijah asking him to. He will come to you to touch you, to nourish you, and give you rest. He'll even send angels. Some of you have entertained angels unawares and you don't even know it. They came and brought life from the throne of God for you. Touched your mind. Touched your emotions. Gave you the wherewithal to see clearly. Some of you 
remember the days and the seasons when God touched you and immediately you said, what was I thinking before? There was a mist about me, but now the lights are on and I see all things clearly. God will visit you at Horeb after 40 days of continued perseverance. God's going to visit you to get to the root of the problem, to the root of your pain and discouragement. He said, Elijah, why are you here? Talk to me. Tell me. He'll remind you not only who he is, but who you are in natural and supernatural ways. And he'll recommission you to his service. He might even introduce you to 7,000 places he's been working and faithful that you are completely unaware of. He said, Elijah, there's 7,000 men that have not bowed their knee to Baal. Elijah, you're 7,000% wrong. Is that a revelation to anybody else but me? Your perception of everything here is so off. Elijah, I just sent fire yesterday, but I'm going to show you something. See, sometimes in our weakness, let me word it this way. Sometimes what he teaches us in the glorious moments we never learn in our weakness. And some of the things we learn in our weakness, we never learn in the glorious moments. So fire falls from heaven, consumes the sacrifice. All the prophets are destroyed. Elijah thinks great victory. He runs for his life. He finds himself in a cave. And God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? He said, I, it's no use. My life is over. I'm done. Just if you take me out, it'd be the best thing. And and. I'm the only one left. And he said, Elijah, you are so wrong in what's going on here. Let me fix it for you. Are you ready for me to wrap this up? Watch this. Come out to the front of the cave, son. And Elijah come out, had his little mantle in front of him. And there was an earthquake. But God wasn't in the earthquake. And then what else? Wind. God wasn't in the wind. And then all of a sudden, what happened the day before? Fire. What happened now? Fire. But God wasn't in the fire. And then in a still, small voice, Elijah, can I help you? Just give me 60 seconds and I will help you. Earthquakes don't change people. Fire falling from heaven doesn't change people. Wind doesn't change people. Miraculous doesn't change people. But my words change people. And if you'll believe the foolishness of preaching, these 40 years I get up and just tell you what Jesus said, tell you what Jesus said, and you find victory, you find hope, you find adjustments, you find encouragement. Hey, John, don't, don't try to be big time. Don't, don't try to smoke and mirrors and earthquake and fires. Give them my word. Let it be a still, small voice saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the left and when you turn to the right. There are people in this room that you, your reputation is what has happened to you. And God wants to take you from that to what he's done for you. And you just do it by faith. You get up whether you come to him decomposed like Lazarus, 
You come to him limping. You come to him wounded. And he, through sufficient grace and the, 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 the dew of his word, he changes you. He told Elijah when he talked to him, he said, Now, come on, go back to town. I want you to commission this guy for king, commission him, and I want you to anoint Elisha as a prophet in your stead. I've, I've still got work for you to do. Come on. Well, I'm not done. No, you're not done. This was just a difficult season, son. Can you just not hear the Lord this morning saying, You don't got this, but I got you. It's okay not to have it. It's okay not to have an answer. It's okay not to have strength. And it's okay not to know where you're going if you know who has you. And God has a grip on you. Guys, I've got a song cued if you would play this for me. And I want to open this altar. This is more for your sake. We always open altar time at our church because it insults our pride. It gives us a chance to respond to the word. It says, I hear you, Lord. And then we're just going to pray together and be dismissed. So he's going to cue that song, Joseph. If that's you, you just come and find a place and stand this morning. Say, I heard you this morning, Lord. In the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. And he'll be there too. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this Would you come and stand behind these in the altar, please? Girl with a girl, guy with a guy. And when I am alone, oh, when I am alone, and when I
Y'all stand with us this morning. If you know this, sing along with us. to God. You can play. Those in the altar, if you can look this way as we get ready to close. Today I've got a friend of ours. He and his wife are traveling several hours to meet with Kelly and I. Because of trauma in their life. And they said, you know, we work all week. And they said, I said, well, come Sunday. He said, it's your birthday Sunday. I said, yeah, but what a way to spend your birthday, to take them by the hand and say, look at me. See, what you don't realize is the trauma and tragedy you go through. When you come out, you're now able to comfort those with the comfort whereby you were comforted of God. <laughs> Glory! Glory to God! I don't tell the story that I was strong. I tell him that I died. And he brought me back. And set me upon a rock. And gave me the capacity for joy again. See. You got to have the story. Before you can share the story. And he's with you. He's with you and he's for you. And that song in the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. You already got him. You ain't got to ask. Amen. Can somebody say amen this morning? Preacher, come, come close for us. Just grab this mic over here. We're going to dismiss us in prayer. Let us pray. God, today you show yourself in ways that we that we aren't worthy of. Lord, let us be the ones that you feed with the ravens. Let us be the ones that you set on the rock and, and strengthen us, God, because you have that capability. We don't. Lord, thank you for a place where we can come and be safe. Where we can come and bring our burden. Lord, the foot of the cross is flat. It is equal to all of us, Lord. No one's better than another. And Lord, you know each and every one of us in such a way that you can tell our story better than we can tell our own. Father, I praise you for that. I thank you for that, for that still small voice in the midst of so much chaos in this world that, that befalls some of us and, and that we see, Lord, we get so caught up in so much that's around us, God, that, that we can't just hear. When you say, listen to me, I have you. 
I'm here to take care of you. Father, for each that came this morning, Lord, you're here to take care of them. They recognize that today. Lord, let each of us recognize that today, that you're here to take care of us, that you love us. You loved us so much that you gave so much. Father, I'm so thankful to be in that place and in your hand so that you may hold me, so that you may understand and know who I am. And, and, and correct things for me when I can't do it for myself. Father, we praise you this morning. We lift up our, our, our hands and bow our heads, God, knowing that, that you are worthy of all things. And it has nothing to do with us, but it's because of your goodness and your graciousness and your mercy, Father, that pours on us in such a way that just lifts us up to be more than what we could ever imagine ourselves to be all because of you, God. And that's the way you want it. You have created us to be like your son. You have, you have a desire for us to be more like him. And that's why you provide for us in such a way so that we may be like him. God, what an example. What a desire of your heart to love us beyond our own capacity. Lord, thank you so much for that. And as we leave today, God, this is a moment but God, this moment leads to another moment and another moment. God, don't let us walk away from that. Let us understand that in this moment we carry this to the next one. And Lord, I know you're there waiting for us. God, don't let us forget that. Don't let us forget that. That you don't leave us. You've never forsaken us. I praise you in that, Father. We all praise you in that. So Lord, today be with be with us, Lord. Guide us in this week. Carry us when we can't carry ourselves. Be that still, small voice when we need it in that moment and that time, just like you always do. And we praise you, God, in your Son, Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Thank you. Y'all have a wonderful week this week.